0: Okay, Ahmed, thank you so much for joining us on today's episode of Treetop. I'm really excited to get the opportunity to chat with you and excited to learn more about DNA Visit.
1: Yeah, thank you for having me.
0: Absolutely. Um, I'd like to start off with just a baseline question, get the audience familiar with DNA Visit. Can you describe exactly what it is you do and where the idea came from to start the company?
1: Absolutely. Um, So DNA Visit is technology-powered genetic counseling. So we've got two components, um, the genetic counseling telemedicine platform itself, which is, we really built from the ground up for genetic counseling. And we have some clients that just license and use that part. And then the other, most of our clients actually utilize the second component, which which are the clinicians themselves, mostly genetic counselors and pharmacists. Um, Our clients are mostly clinical labs, uh, healthcare providers. Uh, We also have a portion of our business where uh, we're more focused on population health. And there we're working with health plans, self-funded employers and benefit groups. I think if you ask our founding team, uh, we each had different experiences that led us to this idea. For me, it was uh, my experience previously working at Thermo Fisher, where uh, we were responsible for managing and selling instruments and reagents that labs, clinical labs use to run these genetic tests. Uh, we were always on the cutting edge uh, and pushing the boundaries of what's possible, especially in terms of performance and coverage um, to ensure that the test is as good as it can be. Um, and that was important. Um, but when we would speak with the physicians or the patients um, that are actually using the test, it was apparent that there were much more fundamental issues. Um, So what's what's the point of having more genes if the physician doesn't know how to interpret them? Or what's the point of having better specificity if the patient is not even able to get the test in the first place? Um, What's the point of having better sensitivity if the patient's next visit is with a doctor that can't access the results or even knows that the test exists? Um, So it was clear there was a huge opportunity to improve how things are done here. And when you look at the intersection of genetics and medicine, Uh, you quickly realize that genetic counseling and genetic counselors are really right at that intersection. Um, And then the challenge there becomes, uh, then becomes how do you efficiently uh, deploy and interface these clinicians with all the different workflows where genetic testing is happening? Um, And how do you make it cost effective enough that organizations choose to incorporate it into the workflow? Um, And so that's really how DNA was started.
0: Okay, that's great. I uh, appreciate appreciate the um the breadth of your answer. I I was made aware a few weeks ago when you and I started talking that the DNA visit recently reached a milestone of 2 years with Health Gorilla. Um I'm very interested in how Health Gorilla supported your workflows since um you know since partnering with you all, but can you also speak to when you know where in your process with DNA visit you were when you decided to partner with Health Gorilla?
1: Yeah, Um, so, you know, for, for us, a big part of genetics, uh, incorporating genetics into healthcare is making sure that medical records are being utilized effectively. Um, and I'm referring both to, you know, where you're reviewing medical history up front before potentially a genetic test is being ordered, but also afterwards when you're trying to upload the information back so that it becomes part of that patient's record moving forward. And so, um. While we you know we, we get many times we get many r- these medical records through our different partners um, and clients it's not always complete or consistently formatted um, etc so when dealing uh, and also when dealing with you know this, this fragmented healthcare care market as, as you as you as you know um, you really can't afford to integrate with every single health system um, and so health gorilla has really helped us a lot in streamlining this um, and we're really just scratching the surface um, we only have, like less than how five percent of our clients currently, where we have health guerrilla medical records access turned on, so it's, it's it's allowed us, uh, you know, to, to allow us some time to think about um, how best to incorporate it into our workflow uh, without overburdening our clinicians. Uh, it's also allowed us to validate the value. So, for example, when we first started a couple of years ago, we were finding records for maybe one in every three patients, and, and even then you know, maybe it was five to 10 records per patient, and, and, and in some cases, many, many records that weren't really that relevant or useful for that specific situation that the clinician was dealing with. Uh, more recently, uh, you know, as, 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 as more, you know, groups have, have participated, et cetera, and as, as we refine how we're pulling the records, now we, we find records for, I would say, about two in every three patients, and on average, I would say the patient now, we've got like 100 records, um and, and and we're fine and so clinicians are really coming across a lot of documents that are truly uh being used in, in the in the care of that patient um and so i think over the next few years you know as we as we expand and kind of open open up this access to many of our other clients and partners um you know we're only going to see it benefiting many many more patients
0: that's great that's great so i just want to make sure did i hear you right that only five percent of your current clinicians are leveraging health parallel?
1: Yeah. And, and, you know, one of the reasons for that is, is you know, we, we definitely, you know, we want to make sure we have the appropriate consents in place and, and, and education in place for these patients before we're, we're accessing their data. And, and so it does require some work with the partners up front to ensure that they've got the appropriate consents as well. And and that's part of the reason why we we had not you know, have it implemented it for all of our, our clients. But the other reason is just some of them, you know, want us to just focus on the, the medical records that they have access to for now. And I think as, as we all get more comfortable with this process, um, you know, we will be expanding it to, to many more.
0: Right, right. Makes total sense. Um, and can you just uh, speak a little bit to how far along you were in the DNA visit journey when you decided to partner with Health Gorilla? Were you, you know, was it... You know, were you were you just a couple of years along? Were your workflows completely um, built out and um, and working correctly when you decided to bring us on? Or where where were you in your journey?
1: Yeah, I mean, we, you know, we're still uh, we were still definitely you know we still are I would say a startup. So in, in that regard, it was still early. Mm-hmm. Um, we were about two years, two and a half years, two, two 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 and a half years into it, but it was really I would say. Um, not so much that um, we wouldn't have been interested in accessing the information earlier. I think it was more that we weren't as familiar and aware of how we could access this information and also that not as many health systems were were participating in these changes previously. Uh, so I think a, a cu- culmination of all these things is kind of why we um, we uh, uh, you know uh, started working with you guys when we did um, and I would say the other the other aspect was as we started seeing you know what type of medical records we are getting access to through partners and what we potentially are missing out on um is also was also kind of a trigger for us to see well what is what is possible if we do get get access to the HIEs. and and for us it was also a matter of like what can we automate because we can't do this manually and so we can you know chat a little bit more about that as well about you know how health gorilla helped us with that that, that automation
0: yeah let's dive into that can you can you speak to how we help with the with the automation of your workflows?
1: yeah yeah so and and um, you know when we um, uh, uh, when we look at um, uh, you know our, our specific u- use cases and workflows, typically uh, it's it's set up to where um, you've got you know a patient of some sort that's interfacing with our clinician and we're surfacing uh, you know, as much relevant information as we can to the clinician that's um, that's treating that patient or that's taking care of the patient in some way, or helping interpret results, et cetera. And so it was important to us that whatever a system we use can kind of sort of run in the background and allow us to present, you know, kind of filter and present the information in the right in the right way um, and in an automated way in our system um, for our clinicians. And so that that's really what I mean when I say you know, ma- really making sure it's part of our, our existing process for that clinician.
0: Right, right. Makes total sense. Uh, let's, okay. let's zoom in on the clinicians for a second. Can you dive into, you know, how the EHR and HIE data supplied through Health Gorilla has not only impacted the genetic lab results, but also the day-to-day of the clinicians and the ease, you know, the ease of their interactions with patients when they have a full medical history in front of them?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, one example uh, that I like to give of that is in the area of pharmacogenomics. And um, pharmacogenomics is where you're looking at um, how their body responds to medications based on their specific metabolism uh, for different markers, uh, like a common one is called 2 d 6 Now the results of this are potentially pertinent um, three different times in the patient's timeline. So the past, the present, and the future. The present is obvious. So the present is where you say, okay, well this person is on this medication today, and um, um, and you know based on the results of the test, we may the, the, the doctor may want to consider alternate medications uh, for the patient. That, that's a fairly obvious one. It's a fairly immediate uh, use case uh, and, and value to the patient, and, and that obviously helps when you know what patient what medications the patient's on. Um, the future is also, uh, you, you know, also obvious in terms of thinking, well, you also want to make sure that that patient uh, and then the future doctors are aware when they're prescribing potentially any medications that we know are going to be uh, potentially problematic based on their re- results, that they, they're aware of that. So, so uh, uh, figuring out how to incorporate it into the, the medical records and, and, and really keeping a record of it there is very important so that that patient benefits from that test. Uh, into the future. Now you may, you, know, you may wonder, well, how, how would it be beneficial in the past? Um, and so um, uh, you know the, the, in in some cases, I'll give, it, give an example where um, you see uh, you know a history of a side effects that a patient had in the past uh, for a medication they took in the past. Right. And maybe one that maybe one that eventually caused them to stop taking the medication altogether. But nobody ever really explained the reason the side effects occurred. Well, now we may be able to, to um, offer an explanation. And uh, ultimately, not only can we help the patient kind of put them at ease for understanding at least what happened, but also it oftentimes will help in having a positive impact on medication adherence in the future, uh, especially for next time something like that happens. So there are a lot of benefits um, like that for incorporating uh, you know labs into medical records and, and making sure we're really um, looking at the holistic picture for
0: that patient. Right right that makes sense how often how often does that um workflow where you look back into the patient's history to see how medication may have interacted with them take place is that a is that a pretty reoccurring topic that's brought up or uh, or less so than the other the other two categories you discussed
1: yeah so what we've done is we've we've um, automated some kind of rules uh, on top of the, the, like for example, a medication pull from, from Health gorilla and from other medic, medical records we have directly from the client. So we, we automatically scan for any medications that the, that the patient has been on in the past that we know uh, could potentially have uh, a, a, a gene-drug interaction. Um, and so we'll compare that with the results of the, ph- the pharmacogenomic test results and 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 we we're, you know we're, we're really trying to make it part of the process for any review that the, the pharmacist or the genetic counselor completes that they do that they are able to see quickly like oh yeah this person has been on a medication in the past let's take a peek and see you know what sort of happened if they if they stopped taking the medication let's say for for for, for you know inciting and, and, and a, a reason of a side sort of side effect or, or what have you then we'll, we we will dig into it and see what what why would that uh, potentially happen
0: right and when you bring up medication adherence, I imagine you're talking about just patients having the peace of mind as to knowing why they may have had a certain side effect and giving them confidence that future prescriptions or medications, at least have the expectation that they can expect side effects or hopefully avoid those with a different prescription. Is that correct?
1: Yeah. And also just, you know, people understanding why something happened is very powerful because it, oftentimes when they don't. Um, then, then they, are, you know, may be less likely to adhere to whatever the doctor tells them to take, right? And right. so, even if the, even if it didn't work for them, but if there's an explanation potentially, uh, we find that that helps um, them kind of trust their doctor, you know, for their next prescription. And also, if there is a future side effect, let's make sure that it wasn't something that we could actually identify through the the pharmacogenomic or uh, the gene drug interaction
0: that we're aware of. Right. Absolutely. Okay. Great. Um, so I, you know, as you know, and I know health Gorilla is not the only vendor in the space providing access to medical histories. Um, when you were investigating vendors, were there, uh, were you looking into alternative alternative options and, you know, what were the, the, uh, leading reasons that you eventually decided to go with health Gorilla? I know we've discussed the automation aspect, but were there other, um, components that were appealing to you?
1: Yeah. So I think we looked at, um, I think it was two other companies at the time, um, and there, there were a few factors um, kind of involved in why we chose you guys. Uh, the first, I would say, well, at the time, um, you know, we, we were just looking to see, well, wh- where can we get sort of a, the most comprehensive picture, you know, to, uh, as much medical records as we can, and it seemed like at the time that the health gorilla offered that, or at least if at least comparable, if not better than than everybody else. So, so that was a you know check for us, right? Um, the other one was, um, you know, we were also kind of still early in our journey. And, and so there was a, um, an array, we, were, we had a flexible kind of pricing arrangement with you guys. So it allowed us to sort of scale, kind of increase the price as we scale, um, and, and, and really, um, uh, help us kind of, you know, start small and kind of grow, grow together. So that, that, that was also attractive and, and something that, 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 that I think sealed the, sealed the deal with, with health gorilla, the, the related to that are, are the resources. So we also, you know, we knew, like you mentioned, we wanted to integrate through, um, well, well, first, I guess we, we needed to integrate, you know, we become part of the exchange. And so the Health Gorilla had resources that helped, us, um, you know, be accepted into the, the exchange, number one. And then the second part, which, which we talked about a little bit already, which is the the, the APIs and uh, and even having proper API documentation, we you know I think I remember we we took a peek at that even before we started and just knowing that okay that they do have the the capabilities to so that we can do the automation we need to do uh, once we integrate and so um, so the IT the IT potential and also the support along the way you know those are all factors um, involved in the decision.
0: Um. So so recently I you know I was doing some research on DNA before our chat today. Um, And I noticed that you guys recently participated in a study using AI chat tools uh, for conversation between genetic counselors and patients. Um, Interested in why you chose to participate and what your overall findings were. In addition to that, you know, your general feelings on AI and how it has the opportunity to, um, I don't want to use disrupt, but interact with the healthcare industry.
1: Yeah, sure. So when we were were building our, our telemedicine platform, uh, we recognized early on that genetic counseling um, shouldn't just be limited to phone or video calls, but that digital chat really should be at the heart of it. And so, without getting into all the details uh, here, we we discovered a lot of benefits of designing it that way, uh, benefits that both the patients and the clinicians, um, uh, you know, can 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 have. And one of those benefits um, is that we now have an interface um, to overlay. Um, AI assistance to our clinicians. Um, and so over the years, we've spent a lot of time refining what that looks like. Uh, I think it was sometime last year you mentioned where, where there was a um, it was a genetic counseling student um, who was completing their thesis. Um, they approached us about potentially using um, kind of reviewing our chats and using it as a basis of their project. Um, and so that's how we got involved in that project you're referring to. Um, she recently published uh, her findings in the Journal of Genetic Counseling. Um, so it's a good article where, where she talks about the, the various observations and considerations. You know, as, as Sheila reviewed our a number of our de-identified chats. Uh, these were the, these were direct consumer chats that she looked at. Uh, but nevertheless, uh, I think gave gave her and, and kind of are a good a good summary of, of where you know the chat interface uh, may have some some advantages over uh, more traditional phone or video call. And, and by the way, it's not either or. it's, it's you know it's the chat plus Plus a phone call, like it could be before, it could be after that you're having that conversation with the clinician,
0: right? right. Um, supplement supplement to the modalities that everybody's yeah. used to.
1: Yeah, and then you asked. I think you mentioned a little bit about just generally AI and medical records.
0: Yeah, I mean, um, do you? How, you know, do you see AI? I think everybody sees AI playing a larger role, in, you know, in, in our culture moving forward. But how do you? How do you expect it to grow? You know, when it comes to patient interactions and, and how it can potentially support um, their knowledge and how they can, you know, help themselves live a healthy yeah. life.
1: Yeah, and so, you know, the, the, the interface of AI and humans is sort of a thing we've been interested in from the very beginning, kind of for the past five years uh, or so. Um, and early on, we, we really felt and decided to focus on the applications that where AI is augmenting humans, not not replacing them. And so, in fact, in 2019, we even uh, patented the idea around an AI augmenting humans in the context of a, of a chat around genetics. And then, actually, in our patent, it, was, it went further for a specific use case where a human is helping another human uh, with a chat, and that first human actually is assisted by AI. Um, so we were, we, were, we were really obsessed with this concept of, of how, what does that ideal interface look like um, to utilize AI to help humans and not necessarily to replace them. Right. Um, and um, we were actually at a genetics conference also that year. Um, I remember where we, we literally had a computer screen with a sign that said like AI or human chat here and find out. And so the participants would come up to the screen and then start chatting you know, about their genetic question or a or, or the test they've taken. And of course the idea was that it was actually a human that was responding, but they were aided by AI. So sometimes the responses would, were pre-drafted by the AI. Um, that could be mistaken to be just an AI-only response because they, they were done fairly quickly, but they were still, you know, reviewed and entered by the, the kind of the process by the human. Um, and it's sort of sort of like how Gmail, you know, sometimes will try to complete your sentence or give you suggestions to to, to respond more quickly. So something a little bit like that. Um, and so, so with the mindset of augmentation in mind, uh, then all of a sudden, you know, you're not as worried as you know, you're, you're not as worried if the AI goes astray because it's going to go to the clinician first. Uh, it's going to be reviewed before anything, you know, gets out to the patient. Um, and so if we think about, you know, how this applies to medical records uh, in particular, um, there are many use cases. And so one, uh, which we recently just released in beta, where you create a personalized language model for every patient. Um, and I, I should clarify that when we do that, uh, first we're de-identifying data uh, before, before we're, we're loading anywhere. And then the partner we're using, or the AI partner we're using for this, um, uh, has, has, a, has it has has set up to where the model runs completely privately and is not exposing any of the information, even though it's de-identified to anybody else. Um, but then once we have that that patient-specific model, we can do a couple of things. One is we can we can surface a chatbot that that, that um, not not for the not for the patient, but for the clinician to interface with about that patient, so they can ask like, hey, does this patient have you know any history related to this or that? Um, and, and sort of interface with, the, with, the, with that uh, chatbot. Um, and then on top of that, you know, many, most clinicians, including our clinicians, are not going to have the time or even not kind of know-how to know what to even ask. So we've, we've already started pre-coding kind of the prompt libraries um, that are relevant for each patient. So, for example, if it's a patient that's being considered for genetic testing, maybe we automatically pull any relevant family history um, using that model. Um, and then we just service it to the clinician, and so then they can still go back and review the source of that uh, uh, answer and, and validate that the AI is actually returning accurate information um, before before sharing anything with the patient. Um, so I think I think particularly in healthcare, um, I think you're going to see the adoption of AI by clinicians. Like if it's clinician facing, it's going to happen maybe a little bit faster than um, directly to, to humans, just be, just by the very nature because of the regulatory environment where where it's, it can be reviewed first um and and really validated before before anything is, is, is actually reached out is said to the patient
0: right very interesting very interesting yeah ai is a it's a hot topic right now i'm looking forward to seeing how things progress over the next couple of years and i agree it, do, it, it does sound more likely to be a a a tool for for clinicians early on right as um as everything is bedded out um all right so you know in addition in addition to the conversation we're having today We also recently conducted a case study with you and your team. Um, And in that, it was mentioned that DNA Visit is launching a new solution that further leverages Health Gorilla's product um, for proactive medical record review and monitoring for patients subscribed to care plans. Can you discuss this new solution a little bit and how you anticipate Health Gorilla supporting?
1: Yeah, so increasingly, we're speaking with health plans and even groups like self-funded employers um, that are finally starting to ask. You know, how can we be more proactive about our members' health um, and encourage them to be as well? And where does genetics fit in at all? Um, and so what we find with most genetic testing, uh, especially germline testing, where, where you're essentially doing it at the DNA level and it's not really changing, is that it's getting reviewed uh, once by the doctor uh, or the patient, and then it doesn't get looked at again. Uh, but in many cases, as we mentioned earlier with pharmacogenomics, um, there's a lot of value beyond that. Um, so aside from that example that I mentioned earlier, pharmacogenomics, another example uh, you know, would be someone, let's say, that, that took a genetic test um, where they had a uh, something called a VUS, a Variant of Unknown Significance. And so based on the patient's symptoms and kind of phenotypes today, um, there may not really be um, any sort of actionable um, uh, management guideline change, et cetera, based on that result today. Uh, but but what if we continue tracking that patient over time and, and you know one two years from now that patient all of a sudden develops some symptom or phenotype that actually corresponds with that specific gene where they had the US well maybe all of a sudden now that the US has some meaning and so for us it's it's like how do we track that over time um, monitoring the right things looking you know looking at them consistently and then also what to do with them. Uh, and so these are the types of things that we're starting to incorporate into these, uh, you know, the genetics component of the care plan. So we're obviously, you know, there's other pieces of it, like around primary care and other things that, you know, most of our partners are working on. But our our, our role is really incorporating the genetics parts of it and, and making it an ongoing thing, um, not, not just a, kind of a once and done type of approach.
0: Interesting. Very interesting. Um, and Has, you know, since you've integrated with Health Gorilla in the past year or so, we brought on various other data uh, types and sources, right? Social determinants of health, um, pharmacy data, as well as ADTs in the the last few weeks. Do you anticipate or see any of these uh, supplemental data sources supporting your workflows in the future?
1: Yeah. um, Yeah, I think all of them are. To potentially be plugged in at some point we've we've, had, we've already had some discussions around the pharmacy one in particular just because a big focus of ours is, is pharmacogenomics and mm-hmm. i think they the the a lot of the um those modules will have more you know richer data around phar- around pharmacy obviously which which can definitely be pertinent so it's not we're not we're not live with it yet but but it's something that definitely we're you know we're considering adding as well
0: right And do you see, you know, assuming you were to move forward with the pharmacy data, do you see that unlocking new workflows for DNA visit or is that going to support existing?
1: Um, Well, I think it's a little bit of both. I mean, for existing uh, workflows and clients, you know, it's just going to be, it's only going to be richer data and, and, and more, especially when we're thinking about some of these care plan, ongoing care plan things where you really want to have you know, you, you, you don't want to miss out on, you know, prescription at the, ph- you know, maybe that was given at the pharmacy that didn't get captured in the medical records, or even like, you know, how, what was, um, what was the prescription for? Like, is, was it filled? Was it not filled? Uh, those types of details that may come with the, the pharmacy data that you may be missing in the medical records So it, it definitely pr- makes the, the service more valuable and more, uh, you know, comprehensive, uh, if you will. Uh, but, I, but I think also at the same time, there are probably uh clients out there where where that type of data is is really needed before they want to engage. So I think it could unlock some some new new business opportunities as well.
0: Interesting. Interesting. Um appreciate you sharing. Thank you. Uh two two more questions for you. I know we're bumping up against our time here. Um one question I like to ask most of our guests if they're in the correct position is do you have any advice that you would give to a founder in the healthcare technology market, somebody interested in in Bringing a new startup to market, what what's a few pieces of advice you would give to them?
1: Yeah, um, you know, for from from our experiences, um, one thing that was helpful early on is we were really focused on a very specific problem, and um, and 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 so we were, you know, because it's easy to kind of get lost in in it all, right? And and figuring out where to connect and, and how to connect and which you know types of. Clients to work with, et cetera. So I think it's it's really important to be very focused upfront on what the problem is, and even if if you have to, um, you know, you pivot or kind of evolve the, 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 the idea that you're working on a little bit. But but I think having that that focus uh, initially is very important. I also think for for us anyway, having clinicians on board from the very beginning was critical as well. Um, so um, you know, I'm not a clinician myself, and so that was especially important for me. But I think having clinicians that have that have not just worked in industry but even worked in, in clinics and, and, and actual clinical care um, is, is really helpful and so that you know even if it's not part of the founding team member you know founding team it's, it's somebody that's definitely something you'd want to incorporate early on as an advisor or what have you um to really ensure that whatever you're building is, is truly going to be um something that the clinician is going to accept and, and interface with um, and then, um, you know, the other, the other part, of course, is, you know, always a challenge in healthcare in particular is, is just funding situation because a lot of the, a lot of these uh, types of efforts require, uh, you know, a significant investment and also a lot of time before you see, you see uh, revenue and, and eventually profit. And so I think thinking about like, what are ways that you can maybe still generate revenue in the short term um, with that idea while you're working maybe towards a longer term goal, especially if you have limited funding. Uh, in a situation with limited funding. um, I think that's, that, that can be very helpful as well.
0: Right. Absolutely. Very, three good pieces of advice. I appreciate you sharing. Um, I know we've covered a little bit about, you know, what's next for, you know, what's coming up for DNA visit, but um, you know, is there any, any big, big ticket items we have not touched on that you'd like to share with the listeners?
1: Yeah. So for, you know, uh, you know, we talked a little bit about sort of the AI part and, and, medical records. So so that's definitely something we're very excited about. Um, The other area we've been spending a lot of time on um, lately is, uh, uh, you know, areas around population health. So um, unlike the individual sort of clinical workflows that we were talking about earlier, this is where you're working with a large health plan or benefit organization and looking at, you know, thousands, sometimes millions of members uh, all at once. Um, So oftentimes you're doing some sort of a risk stratification um, and identifying those that um, benefit the most, uh, you know, would potentially benefit the most from genetic testing or other types of tests, or, or even just engagements with, you know, a pharmacist or a genetic counselor. Um, and so that's, you know, that's a, an area that we're, we you know, we're very excited about. And, and I think what's also, uh, one of the reasons we're, we're excited about it is because it's, uh, it's, it's, it gives, it really gives us an opportunity to be more proactive about health. Um, and, um, and, and not just reactive, um, but also we're finding that there are opportunities to have uh, cost savings. Um, so in particular with pharmacogenomics, um, you know, we're seeing a lot of early promising results where where not only are you improving health outcomes, but you can also save uh, save money. Um, and then there are various places where that money, the, the cost savings come from. So that's a, a huge, you know, uh, advantage, you know, when, when you're trying to sell these types of things to a self-funded employer or a benefit group so um so so very excited about that that area as well
0: yeah that's great yeah population health became uh, or came onto our radar at health gorilla r- really when we we brought on social determinants of health and started looking about how that could support those type of workflows as well so fascinating topic i agree it allows um you know it allows for a proactive mindset um mitigate undesirable outcomes right so um yeah. that's great to hear you guys are participating as well well ahmed i am uh I can't thank you enough for joining us today. It was great to chat with you. It was great to get to know you. um thank you so much um yeah, please enjoy the rest of your day. yeah, it was
1: a pleasure chatting with you as well. thank you.